Look, here's the thing. Here's what here's here's something here's something that I learned as an artist. Shipping is fucking expensive. Yeah. Okay. I was at no no no. So I was at FedEx the other day and just kind of, you know, waiting in line to just, you know, buy the packages um to ship them in. And someone was like, How much is overnight shipping? And the lady was like, a hundred and eleven dollars. I'm like, you are fucking joking me. Yo, I'm Samuel Sarfo. I'm Adam Dash. And welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. Today is a very special day because this is the first time we're conducting interviews and we brought a very special guest along with us. She's a native from Chicago, Illinois. And although she's from Chi-Town, she's been able to curate her own sound, go against the grain, and create a lane of her own, which is so refreshing in the music industry today. Since 2018, she has developed a catalog of over 40 releases, which shows how dedicated she is to her craft, including her recent debut album, Midas, with collaborator and fiance 730 Skyler. Her talents have been showcased on many platforms, including Swid Life, Buzz Music, Lyrical Lemonade, US Wire, Playday, Brain Bakery, and that's not even half the list. Her music has also been placed on numerous streaming playlists, including Spotify's Breakup R&B, Brown Sugar Section. I mean, man, for our first interview, I don't think we'd want to have anyone else. Please give one welcome no, to sir. Morgan Gold. Let's go. <laughs> yes, Woo! sir. The crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Oh, guys, stop it. More. Hey, appreciate y'all, yes. seriously. No, we appreciate um, you, for real. Yeah, we've been, I mean, obviously we've been talking on Twitter for a while, but amazing to finally get to talk to you in person and hear about this album that we've been listening to. So something that we do on the show to start our episodes, we'll give you a second to think about it, but we do a playlist name of the week, kind of just to describe if we had to give ourselves a playlist for how we're feeling this week, what would we call it, what would be a song on it. So for this week, uh, my title and song is going to be Letting Off Steam by DJ Premier Joey Badass. I'm getting towards more of the end of my internship, going back to school, and I'm kind of just letting off steam and making more music right now and trying to just, uh, get my stress out. I got my brother's wedding happening in two weeks, Ooh, so got nice. some fun things happening. So we're getting there. Sam, what's your playlist? Congrats to the brother, man. Uh, for me, I'm going to name my playlist title Madonna. Like I told Morgan, I've been working on the, on the vocal lessons real quick. Um, for the song, I'm going to do Head High uh, by Joey Badass. He just dropped his album 2000 recently, so I've been bumping the heck out of that album. Um, I heard it only saw 22K. I think it needs more love, yeah, but yeah. who cares about the sales, honestly? Morgan, hope you had enough time to think. No pressure. Breathe in, breathe out. What's your playlist title? Um, single. I'm going to have to say uh, title would probably be Summer Aura. Um, just because it's been a very, it's been a very eventful eye opening and, um, very busy, but rewarding summer. And so I'm just kind of like, you know, making sure that even, you know, through staying busy with work and music and uh, time with my fiance and dogs and family, you know, just making sure to remember how special, like, you know, that this summer felt, um, lead song would probably be pressure by Tendai, um, just because it's such a, such a magical, like upbeat, really beautiful song. He's one of my favorite artists right now. Um, and, uh, damn, I might even go make that full playlist later. <laughs> What's his name again? Summer Aura. Tendai, T-E-N, I think that's how you pronounce his name. T-E-N-D-A-I. He's from the UK. UK. I'm gonna bump that shit. I'm gonna bump it immediately right Word. after this. Mm-hmm. He's dope. He's dope. So to get into things, me and Sam are both, or Sam recently graduated, and me going into my senior year of college right now. 
I'm just curious that how serious were you taking music throughout college? What was kind of inspiring your sound around that time? And maybe just some like tips that you have for people who are kind of in that stage of their career. So, well, I went, so I went to school, um, for, so I, I have a bachelor's degree in comedy writing and performance from Columbia college here in Chicago. Um, I grew up, I grew up a really big, just, you know, um, kid in performance, um, anything from musical theater to choir to music. I was songwriting from a very early age, but I, I fell in love with performing, um, comedically. Like I got a, I got a real kick out of it. And so I wanted to explore it when I found out that there was a second city option, uh. um, for a semester there at Columbia. And so I pursued it. Um, but then I started taking music seriously again, um, in early 2018, when I kind of just realized that I'm really good at songwriting. And I've I think I've, I, at that point, I was like, you know what, I've been doing it for too long to not try to release music. Mm-hmm. And I liked the fact that um, with comedy, you can only solicit one reaction with music. You have, I think, way more creative freedom to exercise, um, exercise your delivery, exercise your skills, exercise the effects that you want to have on your audience. Um, so I started to like from the jump, I took it very seriously, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, for, for people who are just starting out and I was kind of, I was thinking about this the other day, but, um, by the other day, I literally I mean like an hour ago, cause it was very fresh on my mind. Um, you want to take yourself very seriously from the beginning, but you have to realize that it is way like it's going to serve you better when you become the humble student. You know what I mean? Like I started thinking that I was the shit and my goal was to be better than everybody else rather than thinking that I was the shit and I had to just be the best version of me. But like, you know, the music industry can be competitive and it's a numbers game. It's like, uh, like what did Drake say? It's an opinion based sport. It's very true. And that can weigh, it can weigh down heavily on your insecurities. Um, if you let it, um, but if you're really in it for the long run, then you don't, you know, you're looking for long-term results. Fuck a quick high, fuck a number. Um, the, the the way that you carry yourself and the passion that you find for music and the unique connection that you have with it is the goal always mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I think, you know, if you keep applying yourself with that same passion, eventually you're going to get good and people are going to think you're good too. So it, it's, and, and it's, it's very easy, you know, on social media to compare yourself to people, mm-hmm. but and compare yourself to other numbers, but rather than thinking about it in a way of like, oh, I see that these people are on my timeline. They're getting a thousand more streams than me. Look at it as like, wow, I am so happy to be making music in the presence of other great, amazing artists. How can I connect with them? How can I, uh, you know, how can I do what they're doing? But in my own mm. way, you got you got to really think about it as your own path that you you know can share with other people. But 
don't get caught don't get caught up in the numbers if you're really going to take it serious then you're in it for the long run and for the right reasons too i'll say first i I like that you said that you started out with comedy because i also i remember when i was like 10 my brother was showing me bo burnham and i like just fell in love with the way that he could like use words to mold into something so creative even though back then it was so offensive and maybe i shouldn't be listening to it at (laughs) age 10 but like Bo Burnham and I don't know, hearing like Weird Al Yankovic songs for some reason, that got me really, oh, yeah. really into lyrics. So I like that you said that because I think it's really true. Um, I think that's great advice because I think we all go on Twitter and we see other artists that might be doing numbers that either you know they're better than you or you think you might be better than them. So I think that I like that you said to appreciate the fact that this is an opportunity to like network with them and not everything has to be like a competition of numbers. Yeah, if you think about it like a competition, then you're just going to do everything out of desperation. And I was doing it out of desperation for a while. And I like the music was good, but it was it's way more exhausting to live a life when you're trying to like I'm a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. but it's very exhausting to be constantly trying to please people. Um, And that's kind of what Midas kind of what Midas was about it's what a lot of my music is about is about really dealing with the fact that like I chose a I chose a profession that relies on pleasing people Mm -hmm. but my biggest problem my biggest source of insecurity is the constant need to please people so how do you find that happy me and that's what I think every artist to some degree goes through that even if you're an artist that's like I don't give a fuck what people think about me oh you're trying to satisfy yourself Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's a ba- it's a balance that's really fun to it's really fun to navigate as long as you're having fun with the music. So, at what point did you realize that you were making music maybe for others versus making it for yourself? And then, what made you kind of officially make that change? It was really early into um, it was really early into me and Jamie, aka Seven Thirty Skyler's relationship. Um, Literally on our first date, I told her that like I'm like the best artist in Chicago <laughs> and all this shit. Hey, talking and shit. She, yeah, I mean it's a very head it's a very head ass thing to say. Um, and and like you know I it, I think like a couple of months later, I don't know how it came up, but she was like, "You can still do this and want to be the best, but don't do this for the wrong reasons." Mm. And it was kind of in that moment. And it had been burning in the back of my mind for a really long time. Because, um, you know, of course, like I was aware of the stress that I was putting myself under trying to literally be the best. It was in that moment where I was like, okay, from now on, I need to work on my shit in order to talk my shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. And from, from, from that moment going forward, it, it, like, A, like very soon after we were a dynamic duo in music. Um, pretty much no one else produces or mixes me besides her. But I just had a healthier relationship going forward with music from there. And being able to, to find, uh, find a new flame, a new passion um, reignited for music, finding that through her was so special that it also made me really cherish my relationship with music because our relationship I think really healed and strengthened my relationship with music. Um, and I was going to mention this later, but since you just mentioned it anyway, what is it like making music with your partner and how important, because I think a lot of us kind of find music on YouTube, like beats and maybe it's illegally downloaded stuff. 
So how important as a musician is it to have someone that you're actually collaborating with that can kind of give you instant feedback if you're with them all the time? I think, well, I think anytime too, like, you know, whether it's your significant other or whether it's um, just like, you know, a producer that you work with personally, also Cody's chewing on a bone. So sorry about those noises. Um, so when you're, it's, it's, it's way more special when you're collaborating with someone like a producer that you're in the room with, because music is so personal to me. And the message that I want to convey through my music is like, why I do music is specifically to like, you know, give people a special feeling. And so being in the room with someone who is the other half, essentially 75%, let's be real, because she's producing and she's mixing it. Mm -hmm. So being in the room, being in the room with her is crucial because also no one knows me better than her. So she automatically knows what I'm going to do, the emotion that I want to stir inside listeners um and then making music with my significant other it's crazy because like we understand each other on a very deep level already but having that musical connection it allows us to learn how to it, it allows us to learn how to communicate with each other you know what I mean? Like, and not just on a spiritual level and or a creation level of, but, oh, the way we go about working together. Be, like, because, you know, tons of people are, you know, married or with somebody, but like, there's a big difference between being in a relationship and being in a relationship with your creative partner. And it kind of takes the stress away, honestly, of any kind of what ifs or doubts, because anything that we really need to say to each other or any way in which we need to see each other that reflects so heavily in the music, which is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that really is a beautiful thing. And you can look, clearly hear it and see it when it comes to Midas. And I was really loving what you were saying when you are saying, when you said, uh, put the, the fact of pleasing others to the side. I know when it comes to artists, they start to hoard music. I mean, I look at this case too, where it's like, hoarding music and trying to please people. But I had this theory, not even a theory, but like a stance. And I know some people may agree or not. But for me, it's F the fans. I appreciate the fans. I love the fans. But the fact is, if shit hits the fan, the fans low-key won't be there. It's just going to be you. And if you just follow what the fans yeah. are doing, like let's say a Doja Cat, for example, we are talking about her earlier, being forced, oh, should I make these pop records, this record, that record. I know Cardi B, she was talking about how her album was pushed back and delayed because she doesn't know what record to make. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're making music for yourself. For you, you know, you're making music uh, with 730 Skyler. Yeah. It's what you guys wanted to do. It wasn't any external influence at all. It's what you wanted to say and what came from your heart. And, I, and yeah, that's what I really appreciate about. Yeah, every every artist has their every artist has their own rhythm that works for them, no matter how famous or small you are. You have a rhythm that works, and your fans are extremely crucial because they're the receivers of your message, but. At the same time, I don't think we talk enough about how respectful fans need to be. We all like it's like when businesses are always like, the customer is always right. <laughs> well, not always. Because, you know, you're the you're you're providing the service. So to some degree, the fans need to all like, you know, need to keep in mind too that like these are people. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we for so long we've been worshiping celebrities like gods, yeah. and, and 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 in a sense we are. Um, I was I was talking with um, 
fellow artist Byrie the, the other day, and she Fire. she said something cool. She was like, "We are literally like gods because we're we're creators." And I thought that was so cool to say. And so I think it, it's really special the way that we, you know, view people who have the ability to make great music, but at the same time, it's like we've seen so we've seen so many cases before of fame literally killing people. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so as fans, you do have to kind of take, you have to take some responsibility in, you know, do you really want to comment that mean thing under that celebrity's post just because they're a celebrity and you don't think it's going to hurt them? Do you really want to follow them and stalk them to their hotel? Do you really want to bother? Like, yeah, people are weird with that shit. Yeah. People are weird cutting? because the, yeah, yeah, because the internet, the Horse internet has, the internet has watered down relationships into being so transactional because it's literally the way that social media and the way that we thrive. Uh-huh. You know, you got you guys just like artists. You guys make content. You guys want views. You guys, to a certain degree, have to put out shit that people find cool. But if the if the people on the other receiving end of that ask too much of you. That's not cool. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I definitely feel yeah. that. And I was watching a YouTube video clip of uh, Quinn Tarantino was talking about the movie Get Out. And I like the way he said this. He said that Jordan Peele made something that fans didn't know they needed. Specifically for that topic, it was um, just the black audience didn't know that they wanted a horror movie about this stuff. So I think that goes with making music that when I go say Kendrick Lamar takes a five-year break, I know in my head what I want the album to be. But he's going to provide me something that I never knew I wanted. And that's like the beauty of being an amazing yeah. artist. Yeah. And, and, and I, lo- I love that, too, just because um, I love that, too, when an artist drops something that you don't expect because it reminds us that there is still something new to see. There's still something yeah. new to hear. And that's what's that's what's so fucking beautiful just about art and the creation of it and i think it's actually pretty cool too though like a a benefit of fans i think having access to um what we do is that a lot of people are starting to gain an appreciation for content creation Mm -hmm. especially independent content creation because we're really truly understanding what we're capable of but it doesn't need to be this big fan and then hundred foot pedestal yeah. celebrity, it can be, it can be a very nice, um, what's the word like symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. and it can even be a healthy relationship, maybe to the point where even fame doesn't always have to result in an unhealthy negative situation. The labels yeah. aren't going to be happy about that, Morgan. <laughs> hmm? The labels aren't going to be happy about that. Ah. <laughs> Screw Fuck. the label. I'll, look, if a label wants to work with me, I'll be calling the shots, not them. Yeah. Are, th- are there any independent artists that you look to right now as a way to model your career or just tips that you've learned from other independent artists? Man, just like all, all around me. Um, I mean, like for starters, like, you know, just being like really like active on Twitter, like, you know, mm-hmm. Byrie Dende and Chris Patrick. Like I watched the way that they... I, wa- I watched the way that they did rollouts and I was really impressed um, by the creativity yeah. and that kind of and that kind of taught me like, OK, I know like like and that was like right when I was like, you know, starting to scheme about the Midas rollout. And I realized that there are so many unique things that 
you can do to make your fans feel included. Mm-hmm. Um, even just like, you know, the fe- like, you know, my fellow artists in Chicago here, like um, anyone that's performed on our girls night lineup, uh, my co-host, no Montana, um, my, my uh, DJ, highly beats um, canvas. I learned too from them that you do not need anybody you do not need to wait on people to tell you that you're hot you got to go be hot and start your empire that's an amazing yeah that's an amazing thing about chicago um i was just telling someone in an interview uh the other day about this but before the pandemic i thought that chicago was very clicky Mm. because we don't really have a label presence out here so everyone i feel like to a sense had to act like a hot shot to get treated like a hot shot. Mm. And that's very normal when like, you know, artists are on the come up trying to get their own lane established. But then after the pandemic, you really started to see independent art rely on each other. Um, because we, we need each other. We like, you know, just like you need artists and we need platforms like you in order to grow in order to have something to talk about. Um, and it doesn't have to be just for the sake of somebody kissing somebody's ass. It can be, you know, build with the independent artists that you want to build with, that mm. you want to be associated with, that you can learn from. Anyone anyone that I look up to or want to work with right now is because I have something to learn from them. Um, and just another quick example. Um Jamie is, uh, and it was originally a mixtape, but now it's going to be um, individual singles dropping nearly weekly. But she organized a big group of her clients um, for Two Queen Studios and made a mixtape. Mm. And just understanding the fact, too, that we, again, we don't need to wait for these other bigger artists to collaborate with us to make us work hard. Mm-hmm. We can ma- we can push each other to work hard. We can we can literally get a group of three or four artists that we're friends with and push each other like a fucking label writing camp would push us. Because if we're that serious about it and we see that much greatness in each other, then that's all we need. That's all we need. I love what you said about constantly learning. I think that's so important to constantly be learning. And I think, and I've definitely fallen victim to this, like if you make a whole body of work and you release it, you just expect people to listen to it. And you're like, gosh, oh, I post again? Am I being annoying? And I saw some artists said that if you put this much time into your work and you're confident in it, like post about that shit. Like no one else is going to do that for you. And that's yeah. something we've learned making this podcast that people aren't just going to listen to it because we put out it on, put it on Spotify, that we have to be providing content and we have to keep posting, even if it might appear annoying to some people. It's like you got to be proud of what you're making. You're gonna you're you're gonna be annoying. You're gonna be annoying to some person. Like that. Like I. It took me a really long time to get over that. Like, you know, do you like you know? It's like, oh, do you want to be the bitch that's always posting about your music on Facebook? Yes, you do. Because if it's good, <laughs> then it doesn't matter how many times you post it. Like. You know, if you like, if you if you've got the if you got the number, you know, if you got the number one album in the country course you're going to post about it every fucking day and you know what even if you don't and you put out something that you're really proud of post about it every day i think i think the i think the fear is that it's going to sound too repetitive 
which is fair. But like, you know, that's where the creativity in the TikToks come in. Like, I, I didn't know what to post. So I, you know, made a video of playing fetch with my dog with backup in the background. And boom, that's a TikTok with 300 views. Like, you mm. know what? Like, you know, that's something. Yeah. Um, and it, as a young artist, you are, it's just kind of initiation to come across as desperate. If you're starting from square one, you want to be heard more than anything. So what are you going to do? You're going to post your shit everywhere. You're probably going to spam way too many people way too many times. I did it. And I, and I learned, I had people say, Hey, yo, you're doing too much back off. And I was, but you know what? A lot of those interactions ended up turning into people that I have mutual respect with Mm -hmm. because, you know, when everyone's young and getting started, like, of course you're, you're going to be a little eager McBeaver like that, like that happens. And I think it's healthy to, I think it's healthy to work through that. I think it's healthy to find effective communicative tools that work for you, both towards your fans and towards people that you're trying to network with. This shit's hard and it's exhausting. And depending on what your communication skills are, like, you know, before you come into this career, you know, there's shit that you're going to learn. There's approaches that you're going to have to adjust. It's okay. But it's, again, if you're in it for the long run, you're going to grow up with this shit and you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. Yeah. That's the mentality you really have to have, especially when you're talking about, um, in regards to, what were you saying before? Man, I hate when that happens. But basically, even with that mentality, that's what you have to have in order to strive as an artist. Again, like you can't really care what people have to say. And oh yeah, the biggest thing was um, doing shit for yourself. Like you don't know how many people wait on others to get stuff done. It's like, nah, you don't need that person. You don't need that promoter. You don't need that producer. Worst case, worst case scenario, you learn it yourself. That's going to benefit you in the future, you know? So that's the mentality you have to have to succeed, especially being independent. And I guess that's why a lot of people sign labels too, because it's just like they know they can't do the work. But again, what are you risking to lose by signing that contract? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, whatever business deal that comes in the future, like, you know, it'll, it'll come. But I think right now the work, like, like, for example, like giving myself the chore of handling my own rollout for an album with damn near no budget, like that, I think... And I've already, I was already whooped into shape, but I think this really just taught me that I'm happiest when I have the majority of the creative control, mm. just because like it's, it's my art and it's my message. And until I'm mature enough to understand how I'm profitable and to understand really under, understand how to execute my goals on a large scale. I want to do a majority of that shit first mm-hmm. and have that success come from me before it really goes into labels and all that jazz. Because like, I mean, go, going into making this album, there were a few people that were even like, you shouldn't drop an album or you should wait. And the more, the more I got told that, the more convinced i was to put the album out when i did because i mean look because when midas came out that put my discography over 50 you know what i mean so i was already sitting on 40 records why would i not do an album Mm -hmm. and and that's the thing is like i i like i ultimately know what my vision is and the vision for midas came together 
so quickly and so naturally between me and Jamie that it, it just it, it just made sense. And that's, you know, that's not something, you know, that that gut feeling, that intuition isn't really something that like a label could bring you. They could bring you expertise. Um, and eventually I'd love I, I love a little uh, team um, of uh, organized crime. Shout out Tyler Blankenship. You yeah. came up with that. I like that Twitter thread with all the names. Um, yeah, no, and I, not, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let the fan bases decide that one. But yeah, no, like my, Midas was a treat to do, and it was a really big elevator in, in my career, just for the sake of appreciating, appreciating like the hard work and the passion for it. So, did you go into Midas saying I'm making a project called Midas? Did you have like two or three songs that you started realizing there was a common theme and that led to an album. So how did that, how did you know it was time to make an album? Yeah. So basically around December, um, I'm kicking Cody out for a second. (laughs) He can take a nap. So around December um, was when we actually made the demo to home. Um, That was the first song that got recorded. And that was right, you know, that was like right after we dropped Healing, the EP. And we said, too, because we had done two EPs that year. And so we were just like, after this, like, it, it, it is time for an album. Like, we're not, we're not fucking around with these five, six track EPs anymore. And, al- and albums are hard. And I, and I wanted the challenge. I've been waiting for it. So we made Home. We knew we had an album. Then we made... Then I believe we made backup next, and backup immediately we knew was gonna be was gonna be the first single. Yeah. Like, Slapper. yeah, we 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 just knew. Um, the song came together pretty quick too. It only, it only took about an hour and a half, like two hours, to really get that first demo in. Um, so we knew we had we knew we had an album there, and um. Big Bang and a couple other tracks just kind of started coming in. Everything was pretty much produced between like December and December and May, pretty much. Um, but we got the title. We got oh my god, Cody. We got the title <laughs> of Midas um, from Big Bang because we wrote it. Realized that that was like gonna be it, it was like it was like the oddball but the crucial track mm-hmm. of the album that's my favorite track oh. i love big bang thank you thank you yeah no it was again like that 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 was a really we knew that song was going to be special once we made it so we i started writing the lyrics and you know the fir- first line of the verse is um not trying to overanalyze it quietly living like midas and immediately when I wrote that line, I was like, that's the title of the album right there is Midas. Fire. Wow. Yeah. Because also, too, the more and more I thought about it, I started seeing all I started seeing like all these like, you know, Midas references and people's songs. And I'm like, that's cute. But my last name is Gold. There so it is. That's <laughs> my title now, bitch. And so it, it just it had it, it, it had it had to be done. Um but yeah, no, it, the, the, theme, the theme was very clear. Um, it, it's definitely, you know, based on the legend of, uh, you know, the curse of, you know, the, the gift and curse of being able to touch everything and turn it to gold. But the guy, the guy Midas, King Midas, he died starving. 
because um, he couldn't eat, couldn't hug any of his loved mm-hmm. ones or anything like that. Um, and Midas, to me, was kind of like my God complex. Like every, everyone's got a God complex. And so Midas is mine because I, I got all the power in the world. I can do whatever I want. I can, you know, I, I make great ass music. Boom. I'm a pretty decent person with a positive impact on people. Boom. <laughs> but, it, you know, you're on top of the world, but then you kind of start to realize that you can get so immersed yourself in that passion that when you kind of lose sight of the real love that you have around you, not the material love, the real love, the people who have been there for you, um, you know, things can go to shit pretty quick because you realize how lonely, like, you know, life can actually be if you don't have that real foundation. Um, and particularly in the album too, like Jamie kind of served as my foundation. It's kind of like that point of focus, that home that I needed to return to. And I was cool about already knowing what the last song is going to be because mm. I knew, I, that, that's the thing. It's like, I knew where to return to. I knew where home was. Um, and that's the thing with writing albums too for me is that I take I take the storyline very seriously. I put the storyline before I put before anything else. Like I need to know I need to have a character. I need to have a theme because then that just makes the writing so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about how difficult it was to make the album, that's totally understandable. And although it was fearful, I mean it's come to fruition and, and I know Myers is doing amazing numbers and doing a great job right now. And it's obviously difficult because as indie artists, you have to decide, okay, should I just drop singles every week, like, weekly? Like you said, 7.30, Scala was doing, try to get as much traction for each song. Or you also have that fear like, okay, this one great song will be hidden in an album. And if it's not packaged and released correctly, people may not find it. So for you, did you have any tracks that didn't make the cut list uh, for this album? Was it difficult to just have the set number of tracks that you had? Then also with marketing, what was your decision to come up with uh, the single and how would you market that? Um, I don't think anything got left off. In fact, Come Out was almost a throwaway. We made... we made Man, that's that. crazy. I, I, so I was almost right about that. That's my favorite. You're almost right about that. Come, come Out was made very last minute like i think either yeah. the week of mastering or the week before mm-hmm. and it, it that just came supernatural and then like right after we made it we um submitted it to uh Kayvon's twitch stream and he said this is my favorite thing you've ever made and i was like oh well i guess the album's getting yeah. And and initially, I only wanted to do backup as a single because the story of the album and just the album itself was so important to me. And my chat and the thing was, the album was not difficult to make. The making and writing of the album was the easy part. It was marketing. It was the hard part because it's already hard enough these days to remember an album with all Mm. the other shit that's dropping. I really wanted to take the storyline of it seriously. And so that's why we had, you know, we, we didn't just have a single. We had a commercial. Um, we had a, you know, a surprise single. We had a listening party. Um, all the, you know, all the little like vibey snippets that we dropped. Mm-hmm. Because I really like wanted to stress that Midas isn't just an album. It's a whole other dimension 
You know what I mean? Which is, I think, how albums should be. It should literally immerse you into this artist world that they've made. So we were originally only going to do Back Up as a single um, with the video done by Eddie Supa, who he, he and I are actually doing a video together for Forgiveness. That'll come out in the fall. Um, we were we were originally just wanting that to set the stage because I think it served... I think it served as a great single and I think it served as a wonderful, uh, you know, thematic um, introduction to the album of just being like, hey, like, I don't know what I want. I don't know whether I want all the attention or all the glory or whether, no, it's overwhelming. I want to be alone. Um, mm -hmm. Then we made then we made come out. And then I was like, fuck it. Surprise single. And that, I think, helped elevate it even more, which is why I uh -huh. think everything was just meant to happen the way it happened. Um, and then empty, we did a, we, we did the surprise video. We did the release of that, which we weren't even going to drop that as a single, but I just wanted, cause visuals are, are always a favorite part of, um, of an album rollout to me. Um, like, like if you look at the last three weekend projects, my dear melancholy after hours, Dawn FM, they were all visual driven. Mm -hmm. um, he's a very cinematic guy. Um, and that I think is so freaking cool because I think it helps to, it helps the listener to understand the world that they're about to become a part of. Uh -huh. uh, so that that's where really like the driving point was for the marketing of this album was trying to get the listener to understand the world that they were about to dive into. And then the intro of the album is literally the act of me taking your hand and being like, I'm with you. Everything's fine. Here we go. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, just one last question. I want to touch on Come Out, which is probably my favorite or second favorite next to Big Bang on the album. And you were talking about just your writing skills. How hard is it to write something that's so honest, like a song like that? Because I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure all independent artists can relate and I can relate to writing lyrics and thinking, is this something I want the world to know about myself or these thoughts I want to share? And you did it so beautifully on that song. Thank you. It was easily my favorite track. Honestly, it was incredible. And the songwriting when you were so like, comfortably. yeah. And even when you're like, who said you can't hurt with words? They try to pray for you in the church, but your blessings are a curse. Like, bruh, come on. <laughs> come on. Bars. It's crazy because my mind just kind of went on autopilot and it was one of the quickest songs I had written for the album. Like, wow. songs like Masterpiece and I'm With You took a few weeks to write, whereas Come Out took 10, 10 20 minutes. Oh wow! It it was really awesome when I did write it because I you know I like I, even though and, and not to say that I'm not proud of it because I am extremely proud of, to be a queer artist but I didn't want I, I wanted my music to I didn't want my music to just be around that so mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to write a song about my coming out experience because I wanted to establish such a larger than life feeling that, you know, being, you know, wh whether, whether you're gay or whether you're straight or no matter what your identity is, there's so much more to life than like, you know, us trying to label each other by our difference. Yeah. But yeah. I made the song and I was so proud of myself because it really is a pretty accurate description of how I felt. Like I really tried to convince myself for a long time that I wasn't straight. I stay in one direction for fuck's sakes, try to convince the world that I wasn't, <laughs> that I wasn't gay. But um, I was, and, and I got I got to the end of the verse 
and ja Jamie is actually behind the lyrics of um, I've been living so comfortably, I've come conceited. I know these bitches, they come for me, I'm coming cleaner. That Those four bars were her. And then she um, she and I bounced off of each other in the second verse. And because we're both because we're both lesbians, it was yeah. so awesome. Um, and also too, like the the other kind of meaning behind that behind that song too. It's not just about like you know, and I haven't like you know, not not even just about the act of coming out, but literally, I feel like since the pandemic, we've been so dedicated to our work that not much else matters. So it's mm -hmm. like, why would we want to really entertain everybody else's bullshit when? You know, we've got our own shit to do. We ain't coming out right now. We're busy. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was my favorite track from the album. I'm surprised it was almost a throwaway, but I think whoever's, whoever gave you the advice for putting it as a single and keeping it on the album, I thank them greatly because that's my favorite track. Um, thank Morgan, you. We're so grateful to have you here to talk with us. Um, we're honestly so proud of you. We've been following you for a minute, and we've seen you've been performing lately so hard. Um, doing so many different gigs, and I know that all of it will come to fruition one day. Um, Thank you, man. Is there anything we want you to have the platform to share um, any news to the audience at all, whether way to support you, merchandise, stuff like that? Um, I mean, shit. Like the best way, best way that you can support me, and I tell this to everybody, is just to listen to the music and make your own connection with it, because I think if you do that that's powerful enough to have everything else follows. Like, you know, obviously I'd, I'd love for you to subscribe to my Patreon, uh, Morgan Gold Music. Um, you can buy merch, which by the way, Sam, I am getting the shipments out. I did Don't not worry. Okay. I know no, it's not, coming. No, no. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Here's what, here's, here's, something, here's something that I learned as an artist. Shipping is fucking expensive. Yeah. Okay. Expensive. <laughs> I was at, no, no, no. So I was at FedEx the other day and just kind of, you know, waiting in line to just, you know, buy the packages um to ship them in and someone was like how much is overnight shipping and the lady was like 111 dollars i'm <laughs> like you are fucking joking me but um yeah you 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 can definitely buy merch um because that shit is very fun to make too and uh shout out shout out eli johnson he did he did the logo for that um shout i put on eli. i put on one hell of a live show so if you're in chicago Please come. Um, I frequent uh, Sub T and Reggie's a lot. Those are my main venues. Um, and I mean, all in all, again, just listen to the music. Listen to the music. Make Stream your own music. Yeah, listen to the music. If you like, you know, if you like that Morgan Gold music, follow me at Morgan Gold Music. I say that in all my shows, and people think it's cute. And I'm stay here again. Yes, sir. Well, Morgan, Amen. thank you so much for coming and joining us being our first honoree first interview there's no one else we'd wanted to be i'm so honored thank you guys so much seriously i love your platform i support you guys one million percent if there's like you know anything that you need me to help to like you know share and get the word out for anything you let me know like you guys are homies i got you thank you love you Thank you. Guys, hope you learned a lot from Morgan. Shit, I was even taking notes. But thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see y'all. We are out. Bad word. We did it! Yes, good work, Cody. <laughs>